When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour is here. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, David Reed, and Jacob Swanson making the show happen for us today. Glad you're with us wherever you may be listening on YouTube, Facebook, on Twitter. If you're watching there, we appreciate you. If you're listening in Knoxville, Fox Sports Knoxville, Fan Run Radio, we are headed to K-Town. We are headed to the Hill. The orange and white game coming up this Saturday. Outkick will be there at Old City Sports Bar. That's right. You see the graphic. If you're watching right now, noon to 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Old City Sports Bar, uh, you know, obviously, in the Old City is where you can find us. And uh, it's going to be sponsored by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. Looking forward to a big day and going and checking out the uh, orange and white game. Also, if anyone uh, knows how to touch up a photo that you see up there, Clay Travis is awfully tan compared to Hutton and I uh, in that picture. It was, it was winter, I believe, when that picture was taken for us because we were quite pale. <laughs> you know what this is. Next this is Clay. This Clay is looks us, like he's uh, in full color. It looks like we're black and white in that photo. <laughs> you also look very small, Chad. Yeah, they, it's like mini, That's mini chat. chat. Yeah, it's small. You can small fit chat. in that chair better. Well, Kirby, how, I can fit in Clay's yeah, pocket. Kirby would think that you look great in this. Yeah, fit in the chair. <laughs> He's like that. That Chad could. That Chad could sit in the studio and not look uncomfortable. Chad on the screen right what now. Great, that, that's perfect for that chair. If you missed our visit with Kirby yesterday, you need oh, to go back and, and listen. Kirby's critique. Critique. Do you want me to? Upset. Can I share what he sent me? Yeah, oh, uh, of course. You don't ever have to ask for permission to with anything. Kirby. Kirby. I, I didn't know if I was breaking the code here. He Kirby said, says. I want to thank you guys for the birthday gift today. It made the day for me. Great to hear from all of you. Oh, that from Kirby, awesome. Alan Kirby. That's awesome. It was Thank uh, you, Kirby. It was great seeing Kirby. Uh, it's great seeing Kirby on his birthday or any day. Or any day. For that matter. Look, Kirby or may appear other places, but he's not. he's misused. Yesterday, we got into a great draft discussion for the Titans on some scenarios for mock drafts for the first 100 picks. Four picks in the top 100 for the Tennessee Titans. And overwhelmingly, the majority of you on Twitter said option B was your favorite with Zayvon Collins, Rondell Moore, Elijah Molden, and Ronnie Perkins. Um, I, I, this was my favorite as well. I didn't set out to make option B my favorite, but in the mock draft I came up with this, this Lent itself to some to, to hit on some some positions of need while also addressing some great athleticism. Did you use a mock draft generator? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'd like to t take a stab at this. Maybe we'll do it uh, two do more it, times. Yeah. I'll do one and bring in three, and I'll, I'll do, do yeah, I'll do one also because it, it does it. Uh, the, whatever you Sets use uh, to make that happen, uh, it was great because it was perfectly imperfect. For all of us, right? Yeah. Each scenario, there wasn't one that was like, "Oh, that's oh, the one," yeah. Which right is kind there of the draft, with, those, yeah. with those players, right? I mean, yes, but exactly. But even I'm draft. just saying for a personal, personal wants for what the Titans need. 
with all of us. Nothing lined up perfectly, and it really made an interesting jigsaw puzzle to to have that exercise yesterday. Yeah, let's do it two more hopefully times people enjoy between it. now and the draft. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, okay, so a question in a scenario that we have not discussed, but we I, I feel like we discuss it every year, and we haven't brought it up yet. And it is a scenario for the Titans at 22 where, as I mentioned, they have four picks in the top 100. They have five picks in, like, the top, what, 126. They pick again at, like, 120-something. Could you see a scenario, would you buy into a scenario, if you're John Robinson, this year, where you trade back out of 22 and you end up with six picks in the top 130 after trading back at pick 22? Because consider the number of quarterbacks we're going to see off the board quickly. At least, in I think we all agree, three wide receivers on top of that. A tight end. Now we're at nine players. Offensive tackle puts us at 10. There's a, a top linebacker. Uh, there are at least two corners, maybe three off the board by 22. That gets us to... 126 is their next 126. Pick. So that gets us to a, a situation where the Titans are going to have plenty of all of these options that we've discussed on the board at 22. That means great trade discussion for John Robinson. It also means he has an option and an opportunity to pick up an extra player by trading back and having actually more picks in the top 130. Uh, in my scenario, you trade out of 22, you get a high second round pick, and you still end up with pick 53, pick 85, pick 100, pick 126, and you can pick up some extras based on trading out of pick 22. You fill other positions, but you still stay relatively high in this draft. I I only like that scenario, Hutton, if the obvious guy that they need isn't there, right? If there's a run on corner and you're past the point of the corners you love in the draft are there, right? They're all gone at that point, let's say at 22. And you have the flexibility to move down and pick up an extra pick and then still have you know different positions there at wherever you trade down to that, that mm-hmm. you could get a really good player. I, I think that's, that's the only scenario for me because I, I – I'm not in love with the idea of the Titans trading down in this draft. I think they need to stay there at 22 and get someone. I want value. I want better players. Better players generally come higher. I could see it in this scenario. You know, it seems to be a consensus that the top three cornerbacks and then a gap, you know, before maybe Newsom. You know, and but the Newsom, top, and the Newsom top, could, could, be could be right there. The top three receivers before. Mm-hmm. You know, Tony or Bateman or whoever right. you've got next. And so if they're comfortable after those three are off the board, not being the team that starts the next group of corners, of wide receivers, of whatever, I'm presu- I'm, I'm, I, will, I would like it to be a wide receiver or a corner, but who knows. You know, I think if it's not a corner or a wide receiver, they're more likely to stay there and get get that guy because then those six players are off the board, including the things you were listing, the X number of quarterbacks, X number of tackles, all of that. More likely to stay at 22 and take a guy who maybe is closer to the top of his group. But if you move down and you're comfortable not triggering the fourth corner or the fourth wide receiver or whoever it might be, whatever the bunch is, Yeah. And say, like, we like one of the next three corners. We like one of the next 
three wide receivers and you're comfortable getting one of those at 28, 29, 30, and that, and that deal punches you in the face, okay. But uh, I think that's something that very much develops over the course of the day. It's not predestined. You have to see how things fall. Well, I think you also have to say, are you willing to trade, let's use Zayvon Collins as the example because that's the one, that's the mock that everyone loved. Or if Zayvon Collins is available, are you willing to trade Zayvon Collins to pick up an extra pick in the second and third round where you get your tight end and you get your wide receiver, but you pass on Zayvon Collins? And you can also address corner edge. and you can stick with the, the other players that we had on the board. Yeah, maybe. Because, again, in, in, the, in option B that we just showed on the screen, you're not getting a tight end in the top three rounds. Yeah, you're, you're, and that is a glaring position of need and that we've addressed on the show. Thin position in the draft. Yes. The thing is, it sounds great in principle. Now you're talking about what five or six picks. Right now so they have a, four in the top 100. I'm saying, can you get six in the top 130? That it sounds great, but the odds of you hitting on all six of those. Well, what's what's Robinson's odds of hitting on his first round pick? Yeah, low based on history, but uh, you can also say and you're also it's just upping due. the percentages of hitting on more of them with more. Yeah, you picks, have a, so. you, you give them another option, uh, and you get another top 130 talent to add to your roster where you've lost some some. Well, and, and you can address more of these talent. holes, and they're considerable holes. And if we're going to play yeah. the you know John Robinson history game with this, you're picking up a pick in an area of the draft where he's done better. He's done well. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're adding a pick in sure. a spot where he typically performs well as opposed to first round. I mean, you found Derrick Henry and you found A.J. Brown, two of your five best players, your best player, and I mean, arguably two, two of your very best players. Can you, would you trade, uh, let, instead of naming positions and, and players, would you trade one elite player, which there's a potential for the elite description to be on a player at 22 that falls to you? Zayvon Collins, for, for instance. Well, let's again, take names off. Take names off. Okay. Elite player for two starters. No. They need elite players. That, that's where I am. In, in a general conversation, they need blue-chip elite guys. I mean, it's all subjective. I, I would then follow up and ask, how good are the starters? Contributors. <laughs> Not just guys who are two just there. Two contributors, like instant starters. I need elite. Uh, that's a tough question for me. Because I do think that they need a starting corner. Yes. Uh, and they need a, a starting pass rusher. And a wide receiver. Yeah, and a wide receiver. So nah, they, the starting pass rusher isn't going to start right now. Right. It's more. I think it's more about wide receiver and corner and tight end. I think I would see. I, I, I'm on the opposite side of this. I think I would take the two starters over the elite player. I think every chance you have to get an elite player, now I know it's not a guarantee, and they've failed to do it, but they don't have enough elite players. And elite players are ultimately what makes the difference in the NFL. Well, now I will throw in a name. Caleb Farley, elite talent. Yeah, Didn't health, play last year, and he's got a back care. issue. Yeah, that back issue is the story for me. And fa- I think he falls into, and it's a different a stab, injury. I think somebody probably takes a stab at him before 22 because of the talent. I see. I, I think uh, we, we could see a Jeffrey Simmons type fall for him, and it's a different injury altogether. We see players come you back from Simmons the ACL all the time, the but are you? Is he immediate? Maybe not. Is he an elite talent that's going to be a starter when he's healthy? Yes. Here's the other he's question on him, Hut. Like. 
we know batches of doctors have gone to Indianapolis for the rechecks, and he's been one of the rechecks. Has your doctor happened to be in the batches of doctors? Because we know they'll be more comfortable if their doctor was pulling on Caleb Farley and, and looking well, at his back, as opposed to getting a report from a, a pod of doctors that didn't include their doctor, right? I don't, we it, know it that's how the recent. NFL works, right? You're much more comfortable if it's your doctor than if you're taking a report from other team doctors. Keep him and so do he you just, luck into that? That's a matter of luck. He just in terms had, of the this draw. is not a December injury. He just had the microdisectomy in March, right. in the middle of March. Yeah. So and it may have been at the may end of even, March. May not have even been end seen. of March. So uh, I think he's been seen. Since then? I don't know. He's not drafted unless you've been able to assess what you're what you're drafting. But you agree with me though? Is a difference if your guy's seen him and if you're taking a oh, general sure. report from? Yeah, you're not drafting him unless you you know. And that's a luck of the draw thing. If your doctor happens to be in the group that sees him or not. Um, guys, coming up. Let's discuss two positions across this Titans roster that deserve discussion, and it may not happen in the draft, but there, there are two positions that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about um, moving forward. Let's go ahead and set the table. And then, Chad, alphas. Alphas for the Vols in football and basketball. And who would fall into that category? Tone setters. You know, alphas, uh, who, who sets the tone? on this Tennessee football and basketball roster. We'll get into a, a broad discussion with that. And a big week for the Preds continues. Outkick 360 rolls on. Live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, Blackbird Academy and the Blackbird Studios is where we are. We love being here over 14,000 feet, square feet of rehearsal space and if you want to go to school for this if you want to go to a college blackbird academy is the place for sound engineering for studio engineering if you want to be on site here at a state-of-the-art studio if you want to be on the road with your favorite favorite musician and, and touring uh, they can teach you how to do that they can make sure you're in that line of work theblackbirdacademy.com for more information on the great work the McBrides do and their entire staff here at Blackbird Studios. Love being here at Studio G, and we certainly appreciate them for their hospitality for OutKick. Um, guys, two positions for the Titans that I failed to mention in our comfort level discussion last week, and I'm not trying to insinuate that they should use a draft pick on either one, but we completely left them out on comfort level. The first is kicker. I, I, there, there is a massive hole at kicker. Look, this team gets nothing out of sixth, seventh round draft picks. Uh, I haven't looked at the kickers, but if there's a kicker that's rated sixth, seventh round, um, you know, technically they there should is. have taken him last year uh, instead of Cole McDonald, a quarterback that didn't even make it to training camp or made it to two days of training camp. Take that guy this year, and like Blankenship should have gone last year. Borgales um, from Miami, according to our lads, is a sixth-round grade at kicker. He's yeah, the only draftable else, kicker. Somebody else may may beat you to him, but I'd have no problem if Titans spent a sixth or preferably a seventh on, on him. Well, 
so there's comfort level where Paul says, yes, use a draft pick. <laughs> use a draft pick on someone. Well, that's what have they gotten out of a sixth or seventh round draft pick under John Robinson? Well, they used they used a draft pick on a quarterback. They've used two. No, oh, I know two it's late round picks waste. on quarterbacks. Both complete. I mean, it's look. It's you know we we can kind of laugh and joke about drafting a kicker all we want, but. It, a game's going to come down to that. It worked out for <laughs> Indianapolis last year. Yeah, at least one, right? I mean, it's it's they're going they're going to win or lose based on a kicker. I mean, my presumption at is that point. they bring Goskowski back. Okay. I, I would draft this guy to compete with Goskowski. Right now, it's Tucker McCann. Uh, the other one that we just don't discuss is Logan Woodside, at backup QB. Now, comfort level in the starter, no question, and that was our discussion last week. Was comfort level in the current starter? Um, but how how do we know anything about Logan Woodside? Uh, all we know is that they put a lot of time behind the scenes into getting him ready for if and when he has a chance. I would have liked to have seen a, a, you know an Alex Smith, mm-hmm. you know if he hadn't retired, but he had a lot of better options uh, where he, where he might have gotten some time or to mentor a young guy. Uh, you know, and Ryan Tannehill doesn't need that. Um, there was some movement, you know. Terod Taylor uh, is now in a in a starting situation in in Houston with the Deshaun Watson stuff going on. I, I just said this before. I think the Titans have so many other things that they need to they deal do. with that that backup quarterback didn't get to be one, and I think it's going to be Woodside again. Drafting one doesn't solve anything because you got to spend the time to develop. And again, yep. with a limited offseason, you don't uh, you're, not, stop you're not going to get them. Stop them from Cole McDonald. What's Cole McDonald up to? Is well, be my Cole McDonald once the COVID thing came around. Uh, they bagged it. And Cole McDonald, I think, got signed uh, in Arizona, I want to say, uh, where he'll not do anything. I'll, I'll have to double-check if it was Arizona. But Cole McDonald's a, a dumb pick. Well, they drafted him in the 1st of May last year, once the COVID thing hit. I mean, the, the discussion of – oh, the, the, other, the other guy they have on the roster, Paul, is Deshaun Kaiser. Is, I, I he is. He, he, is he, he sure signed a roster? futures deal. He signed a futures contract with them, so he's on their current roster. Yeah, Cole McDonald is on the on the Cardinals. Okay, I, I wouldn't expect him to. Where's Luke Falk? What's he up to? <laughs> no, let's just uh, go down the list. No, um, no. I but, hope they get off of that and realize so we're, not gonna Bill, you, <laughs> we're not going to find help. Is Billy Volek playing help? We're not going to find help at quarterback in the sixth or seventh round, and let's stop okay. doing that. Okay, so let's you're draft saying- a defensive back with a trait who can be, you know, Chris Jackson. Who did something last year, right? Or, yeah, he, yeah, and he's uh, he's at some time, at some points, he's more than just depth for this team based on the way they were injured. And, unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. But he had his moments. Um, but let's let's discuss the kicker just briefly, because some may roll their eyes on oh, using a draft pick on a kicker. Well, you don't have to compete in the unrestricted free agency where they swung and missed last year on bidding for some guys um, that went to other teams and did well. So, or did more than what we saw from the kicker position last year. Were so. they in on kickers outside of Goskowski? They well, just sat and waited. Well. With Greg Joseph on the roster until Goskowski was healthy enough, and then it seemed like that was the guy I think the anticipation waiting. was they were going to sign someone as an undrafted free agent, and they waited on Goskowski. And then it looked like that was the plan all along. And maybe that's what they do this and look, year, Goskowski too. Look, Goskowski settled down and was fine. He got off to a bad start. They signed, uh, is it Morgan Cox as the long snapper? Yep. And there seemed to be some outside indications that, that uh, long snapping with Bo Brinkley 
was down quality-wise uh, in the bad kicking year, but McAfee suggested this, in the bad kicking year and in Gotskowski's bad start, that the long snapping was not of the same quality it was before yep. that. Maybe that yep. was part of it. Um, but Gaskowski, you know, after a shaky start, settled in last year and was pretty reliable. If they could get that second half Gaskowski next year, that's perfectly fine. I, I have no issue using a draft pick on a kicker, honestly, when you get in the later rounds. After what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important. I mean, you, the hope is you could just bring in a guy and he's going to be effective. Uh, but if there's a, a kicker there that's that you like, go I get think, them in the, in the later I rounds. think we're about to hear more discussion on that for them. I think that the Titans, to me, it's pretty clear that the Titans, John Robinson, you know, super controls the draft, and he can handle it through about five rounds. And sixth and seventh round are generally the rounds that are given to scouts. And the Titans have a lot of young, inexperienced scouts. And if they're standing on the table for guys, they haven't hit on any. Otherwise, John Robinson's overextended in sixth and seventh rounds, which I understand. You're getting into players, what, 200, 300 yes. there. And a GM going that deep is overextending himself. He needs help there. And the help that he's getting in his term has been insufficient. And they've hit on fifth rounders. Well, but they've not hit on any sixth or seventh or many undrafted free agents. And it's not just using a draft pick on a kicker for this year. Imagine if the Titans went out and got their Jason Hansen for the next 20 years or 15 years. If they got a rookie kicker who hit immediately and you did not have to worry about kicker for 10 to 15 years. I mean, those are The good ones are lifetime appointments. They're like Supreme Court justices. They get in a job and they stay healthy. And they kick for a long time. They can kick for two decades. Uh, it would be great if the Titans found themselves in a situation where you know that you're set at kicker for a while. Did it with once. a young guy. If you did it once right. every 12 right. years. Plus, again, I'll say, like, it's not like you're missing out on these great six. You're not getting Cortland Finnegan these days. If you're missing out on Cortland Finnegan, then I'd say no way. You know, Cortland Finnegan is way more valuable, or the, the chance of hitting on Cortland Finnegan is way more valuable. But there, there are no Cortland Finnegans walking through their doors anytime recently. Cortland Finnegan's not walking through that door anytime soon, is what you're saying. Um, neither is Daquan Jones, because he has signed with the Carolina Panthers. Look, uh, I, I, I had issues with Daquan Jones at times during his career here because he didn't penetrate. Once I came to accept him for what he, what he was, I think he was a valuable piece of this defense. He was a captain last year. He was a respected guy. He did a lot of dirty work. Some games he was a, an absolute terror as a, as a run stopper. But um, $7 million a year is what he got. It'll be interesting to see what he gets from Carolina. He was making $7 million a year the last three years with the Titans. That's too expensive for yeah. what he would be giving them now with Danico Autry as the number two uh, defensive lineman, he would have been third. Um, and so now, you know, uh, he's a guy you say, hey, he, he was a very good Titan and he put in a, a long term and you wish him luck where he goes. And now you say, um, you know, you hope Tier Tart is healthy and durable enough to be out there for them for nose tackle snaps and that Lorel Murchison can, can be the, the third Linemen, but I think they need one more guy there who's probably like what we're talking about, a fifth roundish kind of pick, or even better, you know, an undrafted rookie or a late 
veteran free agent. Rappaport says it's a one-year contract. Yeah. So um, you think the number is above seven? I doubt it. Um, I, I've read a lot. Albert Breer, in this column we were referring to earlier, said uh, defensive tackle is just bad in the draft. And so I think that's preemptively Assessing. addressing the position because you're not yeah. expecting to be able to help yourself in the draft at, at a weak position. So good for him, and I hope he goes there and has success. I can imagine, I, I would expect, that he may be a Nashville uh, post-football. The good Preds day. got it done in Nashville 5-2 to two last night over Chicago, who they will play t- two more times coming up Wednesday and Friday this week. Uh, they had a quick puck movement last night early on. Duchesne scoring uh, the first goal of the game. His second game back after missing 22 uh, with injury. So he makes an impact. Granlin c- continues to, to play well. And then two goals in the first 41 seconds of the third period put it away. Made it 5-2. to two. Uh, and the Preds win a, a, a big one. Updated a point total in the Central Division as we check out uh, the latest standings. The Stars and Blackhawks flip after last night. It was Chicago that was right behind the Predators, two points behind. And you can see now the four-point gap between Nashville and Chicago. But the Stars won against Detroit. They now have 48 points. So a three-point advantage for Nashville in the fourth and final playoff spot out of the Central Division. Two more games against the Blackhawks coming up. Again, coming up on Wednesday and Friday this I week. I thought the uh, the two goals at the beginning of the third. 18 seconds apart. Off the four checking, uh, just really nice. And uh, you, you had uh, Tanner Janot who scored uh, and, and Trennan were in front of the goal. Janot, don't you know. Yes. Yeah. In front of the really goal. Really wish he was a Yankee for in, that reason. Yeah, right. You <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't be able to get away from it. And in front of the goal alone. And then Luke Coonan, when he scored, in front of the goal alone. Uh, you know, and, and this is not a situation where they have to plant themselves against defensemen because they're, the, uh, the Blackhawks are trying to come out. Um, and, and so you turn the puck over with that forecheck and pass it to a guy who's sitting in front of the goal alone. Those are... Those are very nice, easy, simple chances. You, uh, that's terrific when you're able to score so yeah. easily with, with easy opportunities instead of having to fight like hell to score and put a game away with those two four-check turnovers. Terrific. How much more excited would we be about a possible playoff series if it was full attendance at Bridgestone Arena? I mean, that's what you crave in the playoffs, right, is atmosphere. And that's what you have in Nashville. You were there. What was it, what's it like? I mean, it's, it's what you'd expect. You know, it's, it's different. You know what made <laughs> it different? there's di- just not as many people there. But, but uh, uh, Crazy enough, the rally towels made it seem like there were more people in that building yeah, on TV. But we're, TV. we're getting excited about the Preds possibly in the playoffs, and, and we should be. And I think it's going to be one playoff series. But still having that one playoff series is something. It's so much more, though, when we're talking about a playoff atmosphere if it was full attendance for the games. I just think it would add something to this push late in the season if you knew that you were going to have that right. atmosphere in Nashville. Here's what I thought watching the game last night. The Preds right now are really good. And UC Soros, if he clicks in, they they can surprise some I, people. I still, I, they are, I don't they're, know if they're they good right Carolina. now. They're good they against, against the, Carolina. Ex, well, they're good against the bottom of the league. I mean, I think they look good against Chicago, and then they look terrible in two games against Carolina. And that's been, other than that blowout of Tampa, 
you know, where they played really well against a really where good you team. you refused to bet. Yeah. Hutton's, Hutton's pick that I did not use. Nope. Other than that, though, I think that they look really good against Chicago, and they look not as good against the good teams in the league. I would be more of a buyer with the Preds possibly making noise in the playoffs if I saw them perform better against the top of the division, which they're not. David Reed is a season ticket holder of the Nashville Predators. He is the chairman of the board. Reed, your thoughts on the current April 20th version of this team? Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's not buying them the way I am. No, I, no I'm, I'm not, but also I'm What's the season going to look like when Philip Fulhorsberg comes back? And they're close. And they're close to getting him back. Uh, Duchesne was back. He was active uh, the last couple of games. That's the best that I can say about sure. it. Sure. Um, Mikhail Granlin's playing very well. He's I mean, guys that we thought really were good. on their way out of Nashville are now playing very well. And guys that we had no clue even existed for the season are contributing to this team right now. I don't want to mess with the chemistry of this team, but you got to have a Phil Forsberg back to make a playoff push. you got to have him back to beat Carolina. Hey. That looks like that's going to be the first-round matchup. You've made I it agree. over there a couple times. What uh, What's the atmosphere? Have you been over do? there? Uh, we were over – uh, early on when they first started allowed attendance again and it was very quiet it was like a funeral in there and last night on television it seemed a lot more like a Nashville Predators hockey game. it did I, I can't look Chad's at this camera I, I can't look at this camera angle at Reed uh, we need to flip back to go you ahead uh, because yeah, it's, it's like it, it's like the camera was made for Jacob and is and more squarely on him Jacob's and Reed thing. is like looking into the yeah, let's right looking go. into there we go sure. on, on Jacob's camera right, uh, real quick and leaning over it's great the way side it's note side note here for our, our radio listeners and for those listening on the podcast Chad I would like to go back to the camera of our great production staff with David Reed and Jakob Swanson I would man. like for Chad to rate the two shirts being worn the Goonies well, on David Reed and rock. we see Rocky I mean, the, and this Stallone is, on Jakob. I feel like we're talking to three guys, first off, two, because Stallone is very present. Two classics of modern American cinema. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the shirts of these, these yes. fine men with yes. the Goonies and with Sylvester Stallone, circa uh, 1976, I believe, for the original Rocky. Correct. And uh, that is uh, terrific shirts. And I love the jackets. Sometimes uh, he'll have a cardigan on. I noticed with Jacob, but the 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 different the variety of jackets he's got a rotation that Jacob brings to the table, and then this T-shirt he's really he's always himself. warm. He's always warming himself. He was explaining also, Jacob. What did you say about Sylvester Stallone's looks? That he's not he's like not a classically good looking guy, but yeah, it's just good to have some. If you're gonna have somebody's face on you, <laughs> they should uh. not be really really good looking. And it's yeah. like he's really cool. But not really good looking. Right. So he's not taking anything away from me. Plus, my face is covered right now, so it helps <laughs> just have a face to look at. So Jacob will be wearing in a shirt that has William H. Macy on it tomorrow. Yeah, just well, a, what he's basically saying is that shirt that I gave him my face on, he's never <laughs> Jacob, I don't know if you know this about me. I don't wear people's faces. I have no shirts with people's faces. It's just a thing of mine. Jacob uh, is. I like that shirt. Though. Jacob is terrific. That's good and, on uh, you. On you, I, that I love looks his good. Style. Jacob has a very clear-cut style. Like his style is very defined. It's great in terms of what fits him what and he what does. he's going to be wearing it. And that Rocky shirt with just <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's face on it perfectly fits. Jacob's and I must persona. say, as we're talking about the cinema, 
Uh, Rocky holds Play up. Play cinema. <laughs> Rocky holds up, but I must say, I pressured and pressured and pressured my family. My wife had never seen or did not remember the Goonies, and I was trying hard to get Simon to move off of the cartoon movies yep. into more real life, and I pressured and pressured and pressured. Finally, they gave in on the Goonies, and it did not hold up. It did not live up to my expectations. Really? There was far, I wanted. I thought the whole movie was the adventure, mm. and it took half the movie to get into the adventure, and it, it was a bore until they got. So you felt like you were telling the group, "Hey, I promise it's going to get better right here. It's getting better right yes, here." Yes, I felt the whole time I was guilty, and then when it was over, I apologized. This is the opposite of the experience I had with Die Hard with a Vengeance, where it absolutely <laughs> lived up to what I remembered <laughs> when I went back and watched it. There was something though I watched recently. Uh, maybe with Evie, or it was just on, and I turned it back to it, and it did not hold up to what I remember. My recollection of it was that it was much better uh, than it actually was. Well, By the way, speaking of Rocky, I do want to make this note. Uh, Sylvester Stallone wrote a treatment for a Rocky prequel for Netflix, and he posted it on Instagram with his handwritten notes outlining what the show would be about. Basically, a late teens, early 20s, Rocky late Balboa? 60s Rocky Balboa uh, that I believe it, it's his working with the, the mafia guy, a leg breaker, you know, the loan shark, and how he gets involved in that, and he's trying to box on the side also. I would watch that. I mean, if it was done right, I mean, Sylvester Sloan's writing it. It's going to be good. He's written all of them. I think that'd be cool. I also had a big problem with Benji, which I loved as a kid, a movie about a dog that I don't yeah. know if you remember. There's a kidnapping in Benji that somehow I had just completely <laughs> glossed over in my life. I mean, we got to that with Simon, and this was years ago. He's like, I, what's going on here? I'm out. Next up, and Paul's going like, yeah, to break out fatal attraction for Simon. Man, I didn't realize it was this graphic. That <laughs> elevator scene was not what I recalled. Yeah. Wild sorry about that not rabbit. what I remember. My parents <laughs> sorry about that put rabbit. fatal attraction in the VCR one night when I was like seven. <laughs> And I'm watching Whoops. it with them, and we get five minutes in, like, yeah, maybe you need to go to bed. Just go uh, do something in your room right now. <laughs> so, I, will, I, I will see your fatal traction and raise you, and I spit on your grave. That my dad, oh. the, the weekend that we got a VCR when I was a child, went to the video store and thought, oh, this looks scary. This would be something good to watch on a dark and story night. The, the, and, the title uh, didn't give it away? No, not really. Not not the way the first three minutes of the movie gave it away. Yeah. I've told you guys about my most embarrassing moment is I talked my grandmother into letting me and my brother rent Jerry Maguire. Oh. And we get, we get home and put it on in that opening scene where the guy's just pounding it out. I yeah, mean, yeah. It was, uh, it's very, it was, very early in the film. Uh, yes. There is, and the, the wording of what she's saying as it's happening, and uh, the, the heart... The, the, I, I had to be like let me refresh. 12 years old. The, the, I was going to say the hard thing about that, but I'll say the difficult thing <laughs> about that scene is that it's a quick uh, transition cut. Yeah, yes, it is. It is. Uh, I, I, I remember it because I had seen fast. it before watching with my parents, and I got up to avoid the awkward <laughs> moment and went to the bathroom. It's while they see each other at the airport, and he sees Renee Zellweger and the kid, and then she's talking about Jerry walking away, and she says something like, whoever snagged him must be one classy lady, or something like that, and immediately cuts to that scene with him with the girl. But you gotta know, because you're hearing it while they're showing Renee Zellweger's oh, face yeah. in the airport, and it's not, there's no buildup. 
You know, the awkward moments, sometimes there's like a build-up where you know, okay, I need to leave the room if it's going to get right. hot and heavy here because you don't want to see that around your parents. The question is always how the parents or handle it. So what did your, what did your parents do well, during this? My, grandparent, my, my grandparents, grandparents? When I, was, I just remember we were staying the night for some reason there, and we had like, you know, I love popcorn. We had made popcorn for the show. I just couldn't believe that she, she didn't look at the rating of the movie when we rented this thing. Everybody's rated R. I was like, this is unbelievable. And it's 1996, 1997. <laughs> and we You're get home, and, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, my friends talked about seeing Jerry Maguire, which, you know, they were all lying. And then I was like, I'm finally, I'm finally going to be able to see it. That, that, was, scene, that was my night. <laughs> that sex scene at the beginning is just like the blood, just the oh. gut, like you just you just turn white, just ghost white. Like I'm not gonna be able to see this movie. Now. I'm not gonna be able to pull this off. I can't even get 50 minutes into the film without an F bomb. Oh, out. it's and it's it's probably like yeah, like 18 minutes in. We'll have to go to Mr. Skin to see the exact mark in the movie. But it's like Ooh. it's very quick into the movie. Did you have one that your parents draw the uh, drew the line on? Like I was, trash. Not, I was no, <laughs> but like that they would not let you go. So all my friends had seen History of the World Part Two, and I that for some reason was one that my parents just were like, you cannot see that movie. Because it's blasphemous? Ever, no, no, just like it was rated R or whatever. Yeah, mine was just I, the rating. I, was I, wasn't, I, I couldn't go see rated R. And everybody I, I was talking my about it. I looked see. at a rating. Like, I, I just Did watched it. understand the rating system? Yeah, I mean, I, I was watching things I should not <laughs> well, be watching at a young age. But it was the that. rental. So the, the rental kid. is what they would yeah. check. Because they would always see what we brought up to the counter to rent from Checkout Video or Blockbuster or whatever it was. Um, but, you know, if we went to the movies... Well, the the thought was, well, they're not going to sell a ticket to a kid that's 13 to get into rated R without a parental consent, so they're fine. They can go to the movie and watch PG-13. No, we never did. They were were actually very strict at Three Star Cinema (laughs) in McMinnville. (laughs) Three stars. uh, On a scale of five? uh, They never said. (laughs) It was also Three Star Mall. I I applaud the honesty. (laughs) We're three out of five stars. I mean, we're we're not ducking who we are here, people. We're not. (laughs) We're not going to dress ourselves up. This is not some regal corporate outfit. (laughs) This is Three Star Cinema. Three out of five. I mean, if you're looking for raised seats, we got him. No, that was it. But like we we would go to PG thirteen, and that would that was fine. But not not R. That was so I, I can't tell you a movie. It was just the rating that we couldn't go see. I really hope that we start going back to the movies. Uh, as Me too. A, as a people, because it's one of my I'm fondest fine. memories growing up with my dad. He would uh, take me all the time. Yeah. He worked for a school system at the time. He had summers off, so we'd go, you know, twice a week I don't need to, to the movies. Yeah, I don't need summer. to go that often. I, I, see, I, I'm I loving admit, it. I'm, Nobody's taking calls or bringing their kid. Oh, I, I, I want to go once or twice. There, there's yeah. a feeling behind a blockbuster movie that you need to be in the theater for. Yeah, like the, the when the next Mission Impossible comes yeah. out, the Top Gun too. I want to see those in a movie theater. Or the and Bond, I'm sure those will be James in movie Bond theaters. Movies, whatever, yeah. that's a, Bond movies. you got to see them in the theater. The Marvel comic book movies, if you're going to go see it, you yeah. want to go see it in the theater they and don't not go at home. See it. They're you done. don't watch any of them? They're done. No. They're done? I feel like the... Uh, <laughs> Paul just declared Marvel, the Marvel Universe, dead. I mean, they're, it's they're, done. All those they're, it's expanding because now it's all going to Disney+. Plus. So it's actually getting bigger right now. Yeah, um, you guys, I'm sure, had the friend who could get away with watching literally anything at a young age, right? Like, anything. Yeah, I was like, that friend. <laughs> you were? Yeah, yeah was that guy. was me. So I remember this kid named Randall, and I was in middle school at the time. He was like middle school Jacob Swanson. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And uh, I walked into his house. We were getting ready. We were just left basketball practice or something. Anyway, he was walkable. He lived within walking distance of the school. And I remember going in, and he was watching just 
right up close to the TV, barbed wire with Pamela Anderson. Oh. Wow. With his mom, like, making noodles or something. In the, and I'm just like, this is unbelievable. Is I want to go. We hang out every day. The Randall's house is awesome. Watching barbed wire. Is she a blind woman? No, she didn't care. <laughs> I mean, it's just that one kid that could, you know, he <laughs> he was the movie. He That's, was the... He was the movie genius. Bob that's not Dwyer. one that I could have watched around my parents. You remember this movie? Say. Yes. Yeah. That's that's not one I could have watched around my parents. But <laughs> credit to Randall and getting away Bob with Dwyer. it. But I do remember. I love, the, the, I love the way you framed it, too, where he's like up on the screen. <laughs> he's up on the screen. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're barely old enough to know what we're watching. We know Pam Anderson's hot. Yeah. You know, and uh, I just. I, Kid, <laughs> the kid's motorboating the TV. <laughs> He's getting hungry. Yeah. So yeah, so we're we're watching we're watching Pam Anderson. But I remember thinking like this movie really sucks. Like there, there's a lot of action to it. Yeah. But that's not a lot of plot. Not I love, not love plot. at a young age is like Gene Siskel. He's like, man, this plot's really not coherent. It's like what, I don't we're know watching Barbwire. They made it just to feature. I went Pam from Anderson. Jerry Maguire to Barbwire. I remember the the opposite ends of the spectrum being able to watch and, and finish barbed wire and not be able to make it through the first eight minutes of jerry Maguire. have you since finished jerry Maguire? oh in yeah. your life okay yes. good yes good. that's the one human head watch. weighs eight pounds yes, yes. And it li- smell fear. see that also lives up i love jerry Maguire. the movie it's a good movie i yeah. think of it often oh, whenever i see tom cruise it's an all-time it's that's that's Tom and I'm a Tom Cruise fan. I've yeah. said this. Oh, you love That's you. Tom you Cruise at his absolute Tom apex. Who is role. taller, Tom Cruise or Sylvester Stallone? Uh, I think Sylvester Stallone. I would say Sylvester Stallone. Okay. I think, I think if we used to go to celebrityheights.com, if Jacob a lot. stood up, <laughs> I think they would see eye to eye, Stallone and Rocky on the T-shirt. You could take him, Jacob. You could. He's very old now. Uh, Chad, we he's five ten. He's, it says five ten. Oh, they hours over. Tom Stone? Cruise is five seven. Oh, he towers. Stallone's over. five ten. He towers over Tom. I thought he was much smaller. Seventy four years that. old from Hell's Kitchen, New York, New York. So I thought he was Stallone. much shorter than five ten. I buy five ten. This could be, I didn't a, this know could be a new game on the show. Guess that height. We I think we've played Bruce this before. Willis. Bruce Willis is five eight. Uh, I don't know. Six feet tall. Wow. Bruce Willis is six feet tall. How about that? So many stars are short. Always guess short. In some cases, extremely short. Coming up. <laughs> Tom Cruise <laughs> is almost almost a little person. Coming up, uh, the next film you want us to discuss. Hit us up on, on Twitter at Outkick360, and uh, we'll give a quick preview of... <laughs> Outkick360 goes to the movies. <laughs> yeah, hit us up. The Lebowski says, gosh, I just didn't recall Porky's being this wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, stick with us here on the Outkick Network. Wrapping up a fun show as we read off the plot of Barbed Wire, Outkick 360, <laughs> on the Outkick Network. In all seriousness, Greg Cosell with us tomorrow at 1230 Eastern, 1130 Central. We announced this yesterday. Greg Cosell of NFL Films joins us weekly, every Wednesday, right here on Outkick 360. The weekly podcast, exclusive to Outkick, debuts on Thursday. I've got a great question ready for him. I'm going to ask him if he has any second-day sleeper edge rushers. You know that's what Greg loves. I've heard You know that's what, I know him well. I know how he loves imprecise uh, wide mm-hmm. open questions, and I heard this question went really well elsewhere. 
He uh, is terrific. Looking forward to getting Greg back with us. And uh, also looking forward to seeing how barbed wire ends yeah. <laughs> as we continue to read through the Never plot. saw the ending. Never and I, I look forward to going down this wormhole of uh, celebrity heights that I'm now on. And I'm just thinking up more celebrities to search and find out how tall they are. How tall is Pam Anderson? Well, that's a good one. Let's, let's yeah, find out. You. Who is taller, five, Pam two. Anderson or Tom Cruise? I'm way better with uh, guessing guys' five, five, two. Four. Pam I'm going to say five, five, four. Two. I think she's tiny. I think she's <laughs> five, three. Five, two. <laughs> five, seven. Wow. Pam Anderson. Shame. Taller than Tom Cruise. <laughs> and she wears heels a lot, too. It's why Tom Cruise that. turned down the role of uh, Barb Wire for <laughs> The leading man, whatever, whatever that role was. Uh, Nobody his, remembers that Can you that imagine role. the pressure of being Pam Anderson's love interest in Barb Wire in 1996? The, think of the size of plat platform shoes Tom Cruise has to wear to be eye-level with Nicole Kidman <laughs> when they're in a movie together. Because she is a tall woman. I think she scrunches I down I want to say she's 5'10". There he goes. <laughs> I'm going to say 5'8". I love five, guessing the height. 5'9". Nicole Kidman? 5'11". 5'11". How about that? Fun to go, today. Here all day. Go, all day. I'm just going to stay on camera, and the viewers can just send in suggestions of, of who I should look. Tweet heights. Tweet people, and Chad will tweet back their heights. Primary complaint tomorrow, Greg Cosell tomorrow. Of course, the Tennessee Power Hour will be jam-packed. We'll hit the... Tennessee Vols Alphas. Yes. Yeah, we didn't get to we'll that. We'll do that. And then we I'll tell you how time. tall Penelope Cruz is tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Five, six I'll look that and up a half. tonight and come back with that info. Uh, big thanks to Jacob Swanson for making the show happen today. David Reed is the chairman of the board. Thank you to uh, Becca Risley, um, Sleepy Danny. Not to Danny. Sleepy Emma. Danny. If, is Emma still with us? Is Emma still with us? Yes, Jacob. Uh, before we go, I just have this really good image that I think is perfect for you Jonathan okay it's a movie store that only has Jerry Maguire seriously oh. <laughs> <laughs> there it is that is perfect that, uh, Hunt, that's a lot Hunt, of if that was Jerry in McMinnville when Hutton was growing up he would have frequented They're that never store out many times never out that's right that's terrific. Go in there, Jonathan. Go in there with uh, go in there with everyone and pick out a nice movie. You for and the Randall, you and Randall in there going crazy. <laughs> if I could find, if I could oh, find, Randall, if I could find that Jerry Maguire cutout, could we put it behind Hutton <laughs> on our center studio every day? He'd be about or, Hutton's if Tom, life Tom size. Would, would you lords, be able to see? Him? He'd he just lords over Hutton. He'd be <laughs> Hutton's sitting height. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what's Randall? I, tomorrow, I want to know what Randall's up to. That's a, a, that is a great. I hope he's alive. <laughs> we got some homework assignments. Penelope Cruz's height, uh, Randall, Randall, an update on him, a wellness check with Randall, and uh, finding that Jerry Maguire cutout that we can. I'm off the hook. <laughs> Randall the hook. is no doubt celebrating 420. If you are partaking <laughs> like Lance Lee, enjoy Lance, on this April 20th. Lance, we miss you. Come back. But I hope while you're being responsible on 420, <laughs> you're not blocking the box and you are uh, locking the locks in case somebody's going a little extra wild on 420 <laughs> and getting hot.